Asymmetrical Haircuts, Justice Update with Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg. All rise. Hi, is that Stephanie? It is. We finally found each other after the excruciating round of phone tag. Absolutely. So tell me, what have you been up to so far this week? It looks like it's been a really busy week for stuff going on in the courts. Yeah, Monday, I wasn't expecting so much, but um, all of a sudden there was a decision from the Lebanon Tribunal that they would um, release another indictment for the same guy on trial at the Lebanon Tribunal now. So it seems a bit trying to make themselves uh, stay for another couple of years. Um, And then we had a decision in Gbagbo case at the ICC where the prosecutor appealed the decision to drop all the charges against the former Ivory Coast president. So that was kind of expected. But being the ICC, they always wait until the last moment. And so I think this came down at like 5.30 or something like that, the decision. So there was a lot of scrambling to get that uh, message out. So those were both on Monday. So that made that quite busy. Just to go back to the uh, um, special tribunal for Lebanon stuff. So it's... um an indictment against the same person that they have already indicted for the original car bombing of the former Prime Minister, Rafiq Hariri, the guy who hasn't appeared in the dock still, and they're still wanting him to now appear in the dock for yet another crime? Yes, yeah, so he's uh, he's now being indicted for n- yet another uh, political assassination. He is now, I think, one of five or six uh, suspects in trial in absentia, uh, for the killing of Hariri and now also sought for another um, political assassination in Lebanon with another kind of um, note to the Lebanese government to please arrest this person as soon as possible. It feels like this tribunal just goes on and on um, in rather a strange way because there aren't any accused actually in the dock. So uh, will this mean another actual trial starting, do you think? I think that's what it's kind of shaping up to be. But uh, what I understand from people in Lebanon is that the Lebanese government is also kind of getting a bit fed up with this tribunal because they have to fork out a lot of money for it. And it's already been going on very long. And now they're kind of suggesting to have this other trial. And if it's in any way like the first trial, it's another five, six years of this court. I guess it's a bit of an exercise in futility, if I'm being really honest about it. It seems that they're kind of keeping themselves afloat for another 10 or 5 to 10 years or something like that with with another indictment. And, and I wonder if that's really doing anything if you have these in absentia trials. And then you mentioned also um, the case against the former president of the Ivory Coast, Laurent Bagbo, and his sidekick, Charles Blais Goudet. Um, they were found to have no case to answer at the International Criminal Court in the end after the prosecution had gone through their case. Uh, big shock to the court. And now the prosecution has appealed. And what I understood from that is that the prosecutor is saying that there should be a retrial. Is that right? Yes, and that's the most weird thing or not the weird thing. Like everybody expected that they would appeal because obviously they think he has a case to answer and and you don't let kind of your biggest fish off the hook that easily. But now to suggest that they declare a mistrial, it's kind of means you want to restart the whole trial again. And that's another 
and this trial took about six years. So, so you're looking at that time again. I'm, I'm quite surprised that they, that they asked for a mistrial and that they didn't just say, well, we can just, uh, you can reverse this dropping of the charges and we can just pick up where we left off. On the other hand, judges did rather savage the whole prosecution uh, strategy of getting a conviction for Bagbo. So maybe she's uh, Fatou Bensoude is hoping for an entire redo. You said that you were actually at a court yourself during this week. I, um, I know that a bit later in the week, there's also another event at the ICC. But this week, you've been in a Dutch court. Yeah, this week I was at the Hague District Court because um, very timely on the day of the Israeli elections, um, a civil case started in the Netherlands um, concerned um, Palestinian, a Dutch Palestinian man who was trying to launch a civil suit against Benny Gantz, who is or was the former chief of staff of the Israeli Defense Forces and is the main competitor for Benjamin Netanyahu in the elections in Israel. And the case is uh, um, what we know as a universal jurisdiction case, meaning that um, somehow, despite the fact that it's a Palestinian and an Israeli, um, that they can maybe hear this case in a Dutch court. How does that work? The idea is so the Dutch have accepted this idea of universal jurisdiction, which means that there are some crimes like war crimes and crimes against humanity that Dutch courts can look at because they're so grave if the case is somehow connected to the Netherlands in the sense that either the victims are uh, in the Netherlands or have Dutch nationality or the perpetrators are in the Netherlands. So in this case, the idea is because the victim is um, Dutch-Palestinian, there is a, a link to getting this case in the courts. And then the next hurdle you have to take for the Dutch courts to have jurisdiction is that you must um, show that they have no possibility of legal recourse in their own country. And so that was what it was all about on Tuesday, because obviously Benny Gantz and his co-accused, who was the boss of the, the former chief of the Israeli Air Force, argued that Dutch courts don't have jurisdiction because uh, the uh, Palestinian uh, man could have gone to Israeli courts and gotten um, damages or filed a lawsuit there and he didn't. And what did the uh, lawyer in the case, Lisbeth Seifert, tell you later? Well, I was asking her a bit about um, how this works, that you're trying to have a civil case in um, for universal jurisdiction, because in the Netherlands, we've done a lot of universal jurisdiction cases, but most of them are criminal cases. So how do you move to a civil case? Why would that work? Well, we have widely accepted that it is applicable in criminal law, so we prosecute international crimes worldwide, indeed also Dutch military, that the uh, defendant stated so explicitly, oh, now the next step will be that we're going to prosecute Dutch military when they operate in Afghanistan. Yes, if they commit war crimes, they can be prosecuted around the world, and then there's no good reason not to apply the same principle in a civil case. On the contrary, the civil procedure is the lesser of the more criminal case, because a criminal case can end in prison, imprisonment, and a civil case, in the end of the day, is about compensation, and so is much less, an, let's say, an uh, attack on sovereignty and on uh, state equality than a criminal case would be. So this whole argument that the Dutch um, courts hear this, they will be attacking directly Israeli sovereignty, you don't think that is applicable? 
we're a long time beyond that with the international uh, tribunals, the International Criminal Court, Yugoslavia Tribunal, we're doing nothing else. We've prosecuted Milosevic, we're prosecuting at least, we want to Bashir, we do nothing else. We do the same in the Netherlands as well, in criminal cases, and then in the Netherlands uh, victims can apply for compensation in the same criminal case. So the two kind of procedures converge. And that's, I mean, there's just no argument for it. There's no reason a well-thinking man cannot come at a conclusion saying, yes, what we do criminally, we cannot do civilly. The whole point is, is that Israel wants to stay away from individual victims that take their own initiative. That's what they're afraid of. And as long as they can uh, operate through prosecutors, and that means through ministries of countries, they can exert their influence and they can... Uh, take care of you know their own interests, but they will lose that position once individuals uh, can take their own initiative, and that's the whole argument. But you cannot organize the law around a fear of individuals who have suffered damage uh, by denying them access to court. It's just not sustainable. And in court, the lawyers from the opposing side um, painted this as an anti-Israel campaign. What what would your response be? Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, we're discussing a, a war crime. I mean, we're discussing an attack on a civilian home. I mean, and in the end of the day, if they so want to make this argument so much, let's have a court, have a look at it. You know, let's, let's discuss what happens. But this whole veal of procedural arguments really indeed creates the impression that there's something in which, with which we're right, you know. So um, access to justice, whether uh, indeed there was a war crime or there's no war crime, is ultimately a fundamental human right and there needs to be a court that decides on it. If there's no access to court, we have a huge problem and that's the problem that Palestinians face. I think it would be kind of spectacular if the Dutch judge decides that yes, they could have jurisdiction over that. It, I haven't seen any kind of case like that before. There have been some cases in the Netherlands where they got lawsuits from countries that were unwilling to do it. But um, Israel and the Netherlands have good diplomatic relations and these were all countries that didn't have such great diplomatic relations. So really busy week. And uh, what's next? What are you looking forward to? Anything? <laughs> no, I'm just looking forward to a less busy week. <laughs> I must admit, this was a bit crazy, even for my, uh, even for my standards. I was joking with another one of my, uh, one of the specialists of international law who works for the French papers, who was also at the Israel case, and she was like, "It's getting busy," and I was like, "International law, it's like buses, like nothing for ages, and then all of a sudden, six at the same time." Well, I'll see you when we uh, get to do our next uh, interview. Thanks for giving me a call back. Bye. All right. Bye.